Okay, so if uh, you've got a Bible, please turn to Matthew um, 21, verses 1 to 11. So Christine uh, read from uh, a little bit from Luke's uh, account at the beginning of the triumphal entry. I'm going to read from Matthew's to get a broad range of uh, what the Gospels say about it. And then we're just going to see if we can get some fresh thoughts uh, for this year, for this Palm Sunday, as we, as we go along. So uh, Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding, on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Those crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. If I could have the first uh, slide up, please, if it's available. There you go, a few pictures for you. Um, I wonder if you can tell me uh, what they are. Can you see the top, uh, top left one? What do you think that is? Is it the Emirates, is it? I wouldn't have picked it if it was. Uh, is it the Emirates? It's not the Emirates, is it? No, no. I would have made that mistake. Um, so what is that? What is that top left-hand corner? Football. And uh, lots of cheering, lots of crowds. And the one underneath it, what's that look like? Pop concert. Well done. And then obviously no prizes for this really. Um, what's the one on the top right? Jesus. And there's a bit, I couldn't get one with loads and loads of crowds, um, but that's the best one I could. But there were crowds, as we're told, uh, in the account. And you go to a football match or a rugby match or a netball match, if you're a supporter and you're really, uh, or even a concert to see a band, um, what, what do you see? Apart from the band, apart from the football, um, what do you see? Passion. Well done, Kevin. I was expecting a bit more. I was going to draw that out a bit more. It's passion. Well, you didn't have to recognise it immediately. No, it's, it's true, yeah. And so they've got the crowds, and they have passion, right? I mean, they're singing along to the pop star, or they're singing football songs and celebrating. Their hands are raised, you could say, in worship. They're clapping, they're cheering. Some might even uh, dance. They get very, very passionate, don't they? And there's an energy um, uh, about uh, what they're doing. And this week is called Passion Week or Holy Week. And it's because we can remember the passion of God's love for us and the passion of Christ for the world. Holy Week, Palm Sunday, which we're looking at today, then Maundy Thursday, comes from the word mandatum, uh, a command, this command I give you to love one another. Then we've got Good Friday um, uh, with the crucifixion, the desperation, Easter Sunday. And leading up to this point, that we're approaching this morning. It's clear that this person called Jesus is someone special. Uh, Even the crowds there are recognising it. And it means everything, doesn't it? When you first hear the claims of Christ, it's whether you believe them to be true or not. It's whether you believe Christ at his word or not. 
and it changes your whole life. But it's clear uh, from these accounts, this is a special event, it's huge. He's an extraordinary figure. We know the story that there's going to be this birth of a child, there's this activity of the Holy Spirit, even before he's born. Uh, Joseph is told that you get to give him the name Jesus because it means the Lord saves. Evil immediately comes against the will of God. Immediately. Um, Herod wants to kill him after the Magi ask after the king of the Jews. He's jealous. He wants to put a stop to it. Then John the Baptist starts preaching, preparing the way. And finally, he baptises Jesus. He says this is to fulfil all righteousness. And when we've got these baptismal candidates next week, this is one of the things we say. Jesus led by example. And so he got baptised, therefore I will get baptised. It's one of the reasons. His ministry begins after that baptism, of course. When he gets baptised, the Spirit comes down like a dove and a voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. The identity is put on Jesus. He's, he's led into the desert. And he, he's, he's fasted and he's tempted. But after that, his ministry begins. And there begins the healings, the deliverance, his teaching, the commissioning, uh, originally of 12 and then more miracles. He predicts his own death. In Matthew 17, we get another affirmation from God from above. Uh, when he's with Peter, James and John, they see Jesus in all his glory. They call it a transfiguration, talking to Moses and Elijah. And once again, a voice from heaven says, this is my son. So his identity is clear. This is more than just a man. He carries on his teaching. He has a bit of conflict with some religious leaders. He again predicts his death. He knows his mission. He knows where he's going. And today is the start of that Passion Week of the culmination of all these events. Everything we've heard before is now coming to fruition on this week. This is an important week. Palm Sunday. This person, God himself, on this journey to save you and to save me. And he could have easily got distracted, but he didn't. It's going, to be, it's going to be costful, it's going to really hurt, it's going to be painful, there's going to be anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane, there'll be bewilderment and sadness on Good Friday, and then, thankfully, the cornerstone of Christianity. Without the resurrection, we have nothing. That was the moment where he did prove who he was. He is literally the Son of God, God himself, and he rose again. They've not got the body, he is risen. And that's the cry of Easter Sunday. So we have the story so far. God has authenticated him. He's been baptised. God affirms him again at the transfiguration. And then later, as we'll remember next week, the resurrection. So I don't know if you've ever been to a celebrity event. Have you ever been to a celebrity event? No, not many one famous. No? Boring lot, really, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't either, I don't think. I'm trying to think of anyone. Well, like a, a premiere or a party or met one on the tube. I don't care. Wherever you meet a celebrity, I don't know. I'll tell you what I've got written down in preparation. <laughs> Premieres, award nights, uh, important visitors to a country. What do we do whenever we see that? If you see um, you know, the Oscars or the BAFTAs or the National Television Awards... Um, or a foreign, a foreign visitor uh, landing at Heathrow, what do they do for them? They roll the red carpet out, don't they? Because they're special, okay? They need the red carpet. They're special. They're trying to show that this is someone special. They roll out the red carpet. And what do they come in? Normally, it wouldn't be, you know, easy jets, not the uh, uh, flight of choice, for these dignitaries, it might be a private jet or, or a chartered one. Uh, when do they show up at the uh, premieres? They're not in their Ford Focus, are they? They're, they're in some sort of limo. I like the Ford Focus, by the way. All the Ford, all the Ford <laughs> people here. 
this new one, the full crossover, we're looking at it. Oh, we love them, right? But anyway, but you don't see the celebrities turn up in a Ford, do you? Um, they're, in the, they're in the Rolls Royces and the Jaguars, and they, they want to be seen to be riding in comfort, okay? Um, Jesus chooses a colt, a donkey, yet the crowds know he's someone special. He hasn't had the makeup all day long. His hair's not been done, as far as I know. We don't have an account of this, but I would imagine it wasn't. He's not trying to force the perfect appearance. He says, go and get me a colt and a donkey, as prophesied 500 years earlier by Zechariah. This is the passage that was read in there. He's not got to dress up his appearance. He is who he is. He's totally comfortable in his identity. But the crowds, even though the limo's not there and the private jet and the red carpet, they recognise him as someone of importance. And that the world we live in don't recognise him as someone of importance. They recognise his name, but they don't recognise him. They know that he's someone special. Verse 8, large crowds spread their cloaks on the road, others' branches from the trees. Effectively, they didn't have red carpet, I don't think. They may have done, but they didn't roll it out. But they're saying, look, this is someone special. There's mud and there's dirt. I'm going to put, imagine me taking my jacket off and putting it on the mud. And it must be someone special. There would be a reason I would do that. Or they tore the branches from the trees, which is why we say Palm Sunday. They know he's someone special and they know he's on a journey. They just don't, they still haven't grasped why. But he's someone special. And they know this. They're shouting, verse 9, Hosanna to the son of David, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The highest. They, they're beginning to maybe get an understanding because it's all good at the moment. It's all good, as Kevin mentioned earlier. We can go on the guilt trip, um, uh, but it's, it's not really meant to be a guilt trip. But if you do feel guilty after, you can, you, know, you can pray and move on. But that's not the intention. The fact is, those people knew there was something special about this man, Jesus. And it's what we do with that name that counts. Do we recognise him as so much more than just a man? He was God himself. Does the world recognise him? Are we telling the world? whether it's on a train because a guy who's had a couple of pints of lager speaks about his wife who's got cancer and, and the word and the name Jesus is used not in a swearing context but in a blessing context. Hosanna to the son of David, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the highest. And it carries on. It's not only these people that recognised something was up, something monumental was happening. It carries on, verse 10. He enters Jerusalem. The whole city was stirred. The whole city. They know... Something massive is happening. And, it's, and they've got a choice of what they're going to do with this person called Jesus. But the whole city was stirred. What would have to happen in London tomorrow for the whole city uh, to be stirred? I mean, it'd have to be a huge event. Imagine, we're hearing something's going on. We've got to run down to wherever and, and see what's happening. People are throwing their cloaks down and branches down and they're, they're paving away and they're shouting out, Hosanna, praise the Lord. What is happening? The whole city is stirred. What are we going to do with this Jesus? And of course, when they say, well, who is it? What is, all, what is it all about? What's going in? Verse 11, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. There's an identity, but of course, he's much, so much more than a prophet. Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He's on his journey. He knew he had to be on that journey. He knew his mission. And, and more importantly, because he'd warned them three times before he got here, he said he was going to have to go there to die, he knew what it was going to cost. He knew the cost of his mission, and yet he didn't sway from it. On Thursday, we'll have the struggle in Gethsemane where he says, not my will, 
but yours. And I guess in my Christian walk and your Christian walk, you're trying to move forward with God. Uh, He generally moves you forward. Uh, We just have to cooperate. Um, I like to live this life with God. The times where I think I'm doing things on my own or I I just, just attempt things on my own, he soon brings me back to that knowledge that I can't do anything without him. I need to stay connected to the true vine. Sometimes when you face headwinds, it's easy to get discouraged. Maybe walk away. Maybe had enough. Maybe he could have turned away on Palm Sunday. He knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. Right now, though, he's got the cheers. and He's got the passion of the crowds, like those football and concert crowds. Things are good. There's no persecution yet. But it's tempting to turn around and walk away. Because just a few days later on at the crucifixion, they were the ones shouting, crucifying. Because it was easier to say that then. They kind of went with the flow. And it's always easy to get discouraged, always easy to, to get bumped off our mission. Um, and don't. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tactic of the enemy to discourage and turn us away and think we can't do things. Well, with God we can't, but with God we can do immeasurably more than we ask for or imagine. And I don't know about you, um, but sometimes there are struggles in life and you just don't understand them and you have to say, well, I'm going to give it to God. And isn't that what we sang? Or isn't that what Christine read? We give those struggles to God. And we have to say, I don't get it, but they're yours. And I will live by faith that you will bring all things to a conclusion. You know, the, the fact is the Lord reigns, doesn't he? The, the Lord reigns. Whatever's going on, the Lord reigns. Whatever happens with Brexit, the Lord reigns. With the chaos, the Lord reigns. The church, the Lord reigns. In my life, with all its questions, the Lord reigns. And I have to hang on to that. And we always do as a church. Because otherwise, because we're not God, we can't see the whole picture. We don't know why things are happening. We pray in faith and then we have to say, whatever the outcome, Lord, you reign, not me, you reign. And I can go forward with confidence. And this morning, as I was preparing, well, I was preparing before this morning, but this morning, as I was preparing in the week, I felt that God was saying that he has a passion for you, personally. He has a passion for you. It's not, that's not a, um, a profound thing to say, really. It's, it is a profound thing. But if you read your Bible, you know he's got a passion for you. Jesus had a passion. We call this Passion Week. All of it was to save you. When I became a Christian, I knew um, that it would change everything. It could, life couldn't stay the same. It was impossible. because It was too big a deal. What was I going to do with this person called Jesus? What am I going to do? Am I going to take him lightly? Or I'm going to give him everything. He gave everything for me. What am I going to do? I knew that it couldn't just be a latest hobby. I was one of these kids that, you know, wanted to play the guitar, the drums, uh, play football, um, you know. I wanted to do everything. I I just, I took the trombone up once, uh, learned to play Dallas on that, but uh, that didn't last. And, and my son actually is a little bit the same. He's, he's learned drums and stuff and got involved in all sorts of things. Never sticks with it. And that was, that was a bit like me. I'd love to try things, but I soon got bored. But I knew I wouldn't be bored with God. How could I be? If Jesus, if I understood who Jesus was, this is going to be the most interesting, possibly even harder life, but very interesting, challenging life I could leave. I knew it couldn't be a hobby that I could give up on after just a couple of weeks. It was a life. It was everything. And because of that, I wanted to, once I made that commitment, like these people next week will at baptism, I wanted to follow Jesus with a passion. And I've got to tell you, as I've done that, in those times when I've been passionate, it's been great. Even in really, really bad times. But it has cost. It does cost. There's so much benefit. And if you only looked at this life, 
Um, you know, it's, it, you've got to think eternal. And I know etern- for eternity, we're good. You know, Jesus has done it. There's a reason he rode in on the colt and the donkey. He's done it. He went to the, to the cross for me and for you. And so my destiny is secure. I can, whatever life throws at me now, I can look forward to a better destiny. But it's been a good, it's been a good life. Um, there's been good things that's happened as well. It's cost. I was out with someone in the week, a really good friend of mine, known for well over 30 years, and we were just talking about stuff. And um, he said, we were just talking, and uh, they'd had a bit of an issue with one of their other friends, so they spent the day telling us how right they were and how wrong the other lot were. And, um, and I said, well, you know, it might, it might get rectified. You know, just give him a ring. He said, no, this one won't. It's not like you and me, Smurf, because my nickname in the city was Smurf. I was small when I joined. Um, I was small when I left, to be fair. But <laughs> um, he said, it's not like you and me, Smurf, where we've had our bust-up, bust-ups, bust-ups, and it's been fine. We've been able to talk about it. This won't work. And I went, yeah, it's really interesting. He said, why do you say it's interesting? I said, well, I've never known us to have a bust-up. When did we have a bust-up? And, and I don't remember this at all. He said, oh, when you first became, you know, a churchy bloke, he said, you went all a bit weird. I said, what do you mean I went weird? He goes, yeah. He said, don't you remember? I came round to see you on my own without my wife and I sat you down and I said, if you carry on like this, we're, we can't be friends. Um, you're a bit full on. And I don't know what I was saying to him at the time. I said, well, I honestly don't remember that. He said, yeah. And then I went to one of my other friends um, who's in the city who we, still, who we see now as well. He said, yeah, I went. And he said, oh, Smith has gone a bit, bit weird, isn't he? Don't think we'll go out to it. And, and my mate defended me. And he, he said, I came to tell you that I'd bumped into him. And he said the same. He was a bit over the top. I said, really? I don't remember that. And then I realised that this other friend we'd picked up with the last five years said to me, oh, we don't mind going out with you now. Smith. You're a bit more normal. You did go a bit funny at the beginning. I don't remember it, but apparently I was like, everything was Jesus, 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 and, you know, they turn or burn. I don't know what I was saying, but anyway, it put them all off. So it could have cost relationship, but thankfully we got it back. I didn't even know there'd been a problem. It costs effort, it costs finance, it costs giving, it costs to forgive when someone doesn't deserve forgiving, it costs love when they don't deserve to be loved because God first loved us. It means if I want to grow with God, I've got to, I've got to take Jesus for who he is. He is the Christ, the living God. It's so easy to get distracted. True life found in him, committed, passionate followers of Jesus. And I suppose this morning for some of you it would be, are you even on the journey? Jesus began his, we're coming through Passion Week. Are you on the journey? Have you started? This is why we run our Alpha courses. This is why we've got what, five o'clock today. Please pray for it. But, but it's there. It's not just to run a course and tick a box. It's because we want to share this person of Jesus. What am I going to do with Jesus? When you, last week was, why did Jesus die as we come to Easter? Um, what, and the answer, the, the question at the end of it, what are you going to do with this information? You, you now know enough to ask Christ in as Lord. And, and look out for them. They're going to be coming to the baptismal service. Uh, one or two came last week to our regular services. So they're listening and they're hearing. But at some point, they will have to make a decision What do I do with Jesus? And for the rest of us, we've got to ask ourselves afresh as we come to the Easter season, what am I going to do with this person, God, who is Jesus? Where am I on my journey? Am I travelling? Am I moving forward with God? 
Or am I standing still, happy with the status quo? Am I on the spiritual milk where the Bible says you should be now on solid food? I love seeing the young kids come in. And I've dedicated, since I've been back, I've dedicated some wonderful children. They've been really good. And because they're growing, which is what they're supposed to do. And, but now they're walking, like, really quick. I mean, like, wait, really? Was that that long ago? And now they're waving at me. What a privilege. But you wouldn't expect them to stay like that forever, would you? All nice and cute and do as they're told. That doesn't happen. It all changes, doesn't it? Because they grow up. You see, and they're expected to grow up. But as Christians, we're expected not to be on the spiritual milk all our lives. We're expected to be on solid food. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We don't want to be standing still with God. God doesn't stand still. He's always on the move. He's passionate. He's life-giving. Um, in the dire times, he's with us. In the great times, he's with us. And it's great to be walking with him. But whatever we want to do, we don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be standing still because God is always doing a new thing, which is the word that was spoken over us as a church. So this morning, I wanted to challenge us about following with passion, not just the Palm Sunday worshipper, not with those people that worship on the Palm Sunday and, and later in the week saying crucify him. It suits me now to say, actually, I'm going to take this Jesus on Palm Sunday. It's all good. We're all having a good cheer. The, the city's been stirred. I'm going to go along with the crowd. It's easy. Fantastic. The going gets tough later on and I'm going to shout crucify him. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be just the Palm Sunday worshippers. Verse 9, they're singing and shouting, praise the Lord. They've got thoughts of revolution. This is when they thought the new king of the Jews was coming, of an overthrow of the Roman rule. He was a revolutionary, but not the type of one they expected. They thought, oh, this is going to be our time. Someone's going to help us raise up arms. But he did a, a totally countercultural thing. And they were happy to worship with their idea of a saviour. But as we've said later that week, the same voices would be shouting, crucify him. And I don't want to be a person, I know you don't as well, and God doesn't want you to be. And he fills you with his spirit so you're not. You do not want to be somebody who says, praise him this morning and crucify him on Friday. Because we take his name so lightly. We want to be followers with passion. We want to be people who find out what God wants, what he's saying, as we immerse ourselves in his word. We have to live his word. There are things that if I could change them in the Bible, I would. It would make my life a whole lot easier. We battle stuff in our own family and in church life and all sorts of things. But God, this is his word. And what am I going to do with the person of Jesus? I can't bend him or, or make him change it for my benefit. I have to take his word seriously. And it costs but what am I going to do with this person riding into Jerusalem? Is he God or not? And if he's God, I need, that's what I need to do. And that is it. And it costs. We have to live out his word. I've got to take God at his word. We can't just keep bending and changing it, which I have to say, a lot of churches are doing. And they, God will remove his blessing from them. May we never be a church like that, holding on to his word, being filled with his spirit, and honouring his word, and he will grow a healthy church. And so I want this passionate, passionate following as a lifestyle, not just for Sunday. Now, it's a favourite passion of mine, I know I've read it here a number of times, but it just, Romans 12, 1-2, Therefore I urge you, 
in view of God's mercy, we've looked at this last week, view of what God has done, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, God's word. The world's going going crazy. I I look at the world and I think the more it goes away from God's word, the more more confused it is. You know, all this self-identification, I don't get that. I really don't. I'm not trying to be a bigger or anything like that. But I was saying to Andrew the other day, what what does it mean then if I go down the gym and I suddenly want to self-identify as a woman? Is that okay? I'll just walk in the ladies' changing room. Before I was a Christian, I probably would have tried that. But, you know, but that's what it means. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of uh, distasteful comments. You can't hold a view. Uh, you, you, you can be called a bigot because you want to hold on to the word of God. Not because you've got the answers, but just because you trust in it. And the only people who get, get criticised and don't and, and no um, tolerance is shown to them are the Christians. You know, tolerate everybody else, but don't tolerate me or you with your view because that's what God's word says. Now, you'll be called a bigot. But, you know, that's the challenge. And sometimes, and I believe in the future, that, is, that will be the journey that we are on. And we'll have our own Gethsemane's, you know, take this away from me, please. Not my will, but yours. And we're going to have to hold firm to the truth of God. But I do believe he'll bless us for it. And it means it's a lifestyle. It might culminate on a Sunday for us where we get together and get encouraged. But it's not only Sunday. Um, Someone once said to me, Ian, you should be living your life uh, that if Christianity was proved untrue, you look really stupid. And that's a challenge. But God has called me, he's called you to be disciples, to be followers of him. Living, witnessing, worshipping followers. Involves servanthood, it involves sacrifice. Verse 6, uh, they did what Jesus asked. I mean, you can imagine, even, even if you kind of figured that Jesus was quite a special person, do me a favour, go into the town, just go up to these fellas and ask him for a colt and a donkey and said the Lord needs it. And they said, okay, then we'll go and do that. I mean, they were obedient, but it was a bit of a strange request. But they, they did, the Bible says, verse 6, the disciples went and, and did as Jesus had instructed them. Why have they done that? Because they're beginning to see Jesus for who he is. Who is he? He is the Lord. He told me to do it. I'm going to go and do it. I've got questions. It seems like a strange request. How's the guy going to know? And, well, look, he's told me to do it. I've got to go and do it. It's obedience. It's the opposite of cheap grace. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, we, we are saved if you've accepted Christ in your life and, and what he's done for you on the cross. You are. But it's an ongoing journey. There's a real seriousness about that ongoing journey. When I'm against God's will, when I deliberately take a decision to worship on a Sunday and get all passionate on a Sunday like a football crowd for an hour and a half, but for the rest of the week, in my attitudes, in my devotions, in my character, I refuse to change, refuse the prompting of the Spirit, to actively refuse to walk with Jesus and his word, to take him at his word, to try and bend his word to suit my life, and then he pays. I'm, aren't I just saying, well, crucify him? Because you know, I can't cope it, so crucify him. But I don't want to be one of those people shouting on good, on, on, on when he got condemned. So the challenge, isn't it, for, for us as I finish, I want passionate followers. 
That's what God wants. That's what we want to be. I believe that all of you have got the, the desire in your heart. And it's hard sometimes. We don't get it right all the time. Andrew and I, we struggle sometimes. We're just pilgrims on a journey. We haven't got all the answers. And we can go around and get loads of opinions, and that's really good, and the Council of the Saints. But we're always going to come back to this. And, yeah, it costs. It costs. But I'm going to get everything for eternity. So passionate followers. I believe God's been saying to us here at Billericay, and it'll be a theme of the AGM, that we, we can increase our faith. It's not a, you'd better increase your faith. He's saying to us, you can. You can increase your faith, because he will do things. Um, whether it's a simple prayer to witness to a tennis crowd, or a simple prayer to say, help us keep the cost down on office move, and literally the next day someone just says, I've got loads of brand new furniture, do you want it for nothing? Uh, whether it's prayer for salvation for people on Alpha, whether it's prayer for the Spirit of God to fall in glory, uh, among us I mean the answer to prayer last year was about 150 people came to the AGM and I couldn't believe it I, you know, other people had more faith than me but it turned out God blessed it it was amazing pray for more faith I do believe God is saying to us increase your faith not demanding it of us he's saying it's there tap into the power I believe he's calling us to have more influence in our community because Christians are losing their voice uh, the, the ability or the inclination or the confidence to say what they believe in. And I believe that, you know, we've got to get away from, oh, we might upset people, to they're going to hell, we need to tell them. And if they don't take it, well, sometimes the gospel will be offensive. Increase your faith and increase your influence. And it will take increased prayer. Without prayer, it's, it's just effort. It's going to take increased finance. It's going to take committed leadership, committed membership, passionate followers not just the Palm Sunday worshippers because it's just a bit comfortable so I can say Hosanna this morning but not tomorrow so the conclusion verse 11 I've got it in big bold letters up there right in the middle this is Jesus they said he was a prophet from Nazareth he was so much more he was the Messiah and it's what I do with that knowledge that will determine what I do with my life what are you going to do with that information afresh this Passion Week. I believe God is calling us to live lives of true worship, true worshippers. You're more than conquerors. You can get through. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, Kevin's right. We, don't, we do speak, and there's various emails, but, but they actually didn't... They know, they know what I'm going to preach about. It's going to be Palm Sunday, but they didn't know the things I was going to say. Much of it is linked in between all three of us. And the reason that is because the Spirit of God is, is among us. And I wanted to say to you this morning as you go out, you are more than conquerors. You are more than just Palm Sunday worshippers. And I believe God has called us to bigger things. And I believe he's asking us to increase our faith. And if we did, we'd be amazed at what he does. We don't want to be lukewarm. Passionate followers, true followers, true Christians. The football fans, the rugby fans, the netball fans, the concert fans, they can cheer. They can raise their hands in worship. They can clap. They can dance. That's all well and good. But this is Jesus. This is Jesus. What am I going to do with that person? This is Jesus. He reigns. The Lord reigns. And that's the message we have to take into the world. As we approach this Passion Week, feel the passion of Palm Sunday. Feel the excitement. But then don't walk away and think, I wonder when the next event is. And, oh, they're going to crucify him now. Let's, let's join in with that. I know you're not going to do that. But this is Jesus, and he is the Lord, and he reigns.
no matter what. He is the Lord and he reigns no matter what. So Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, that pretty much all of us here know who Jesus is. We thank you, Lord, we haven't got the body because he is risen. And I pray, Lord, that we won't be the Palm Sunday worshippers where we just turn a bit of a blind eye later on in the week. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus himself on that journey knew what was coming. He'd warned them. In the Garden of Gethsemane, some of them just fell asleep. Couldn't even watch with him and pray with him. That he was in anguish. It would have been so easy to say, well, do you know, this is not really working out for me. I think I'll leave it. Help us not to be those Christians, Lord. Help us not just to be Palm Sunday Christians. Help us to be the Christians that enter into that desperation of Gethsemane. The demoralising Good Friday. But then thankfully, Lord, the encouraging, uplifting Easter Sunday. Because he is risen and the Lord reigns. Amen.